Hey there, welcome to Friendly Ties. We are here today talking about Anno 1800, and by we, I mean myself and my friends Anastasia and Nick. Uh, we just played a game of it, and in fact we recorded that, and it's been posted up on the John Gets Games YouTube channel where you could watch us playing through this whole game, and we're going to be spoiling that experience, so if you would like to watch it first and then listen to this, then go right on ahead. There's a link to it in the description of this podcast. Uh, now, let's go ahead and start talking about uh, Anno 1800 broadly. I'm going to give you a very brief overview of what this game is like before we start really discussing it. Um, at a very high level, this is a game about building up an industrial infrastructure in front of you where you essentially build industries and then you use those to play cards. And the key thing to this game is that you can actually use other people's industries in a positive interaction style where you use their stuff and they get money from the bank. So it's kind of a win-win situation. Uh, this game has a lot of cardboard components, but it really is a card game. It's all about playing cards. And in fact, the first person to play all of their cards um, is the person to trigger the end of the game. And then you get points for the cards you played as well as some other things. Uh, there's definitely a lot more going on to the game, but that's kind of the backbone of it. Building out industry, using it to play cards, and using each other's industry. And um, on that note, we have a, a bunch of things that we'd like to talk about. Uh, but really, I, the first thing I'd like to say is that I play this game a bunch. I have 12 recorded plays of this, and I, n I think that's actually less than both of you two, right? Yeah, I'm at 19. 19. Mm -hmm. I, I don't keep track of my plays, but between the two of you and the number of times we played this, especially last year, I think I'm right up there with, with uh, Nick. I, I yeah. think you're more based on what I've, what I've seen, like when you're playing and when you talk about it. I wouldn't be surprised if you were in the like mid-20s. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we played this one a whole bunch. And um, where do you want to start this off? I mean, I think we gotta. I think we gotta at least talk a little bit about that play. I mean, we talked a little bit about it about it at the end of the video, but sure. I do think we need to just talk about kind of what happened there at the end because, in a lot of ways, that showcases kind of what Anno is, right? Like it's it's it, you feel like you're playing this kind of deep you know, kind of strategic Euro, but you're, you're not, you're playing a race game. You're playing a race to the finish and you know, you, you held on John because you were like, I don't know. I think if I end it now, I won't win. And if I hold on, I might win. And then Nick went and, and snaked you and ended the game and, and ultimately still had more points, but still that was such a twist ending for Nick after all of that, for your game to sort of unlock in those last like couple of rounds and for you to just be able to then like play your whole hand. I mean, you, I, you didn't think you were going to end it, right? Like you thought, you were like, I'm not going to get any of this stuff down. No, I mean, I, that was a game where I genuinely thought that I was in last place about a third to half of the way through the game. And then because the game kept going on longer, I was, I went from, oh, I'm in last place to, oh, I have a chance. And then, oh, I have a chance to, oh, I'm about to do this. Like this, yeah. is, this, is, this is coming and no, and they, I know that they don't see it coming. That's the sneakiest yeah. part about it, right? Right, because you played six cards on your last yeah. turn, which is yeah. Yeah. a tremendous amount. I mean, normally you only play one card, but there are some cards that let you discard other cards. And yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it really did exemplify what this game could do. Uh, I felt like I was in the driver's seat for much of the game as far as deciding when to end it. And I decided not to end it for better or for worse. And then I decided, ended up, 
you know, having control of ending it was was ripped away from me. Like, unexpectedly, I was going to end it on my next turn. It was one turn away from me doing that, which would have been seven points that I would have had and seven less points that Nick would have had. And that wouldn't have had a drastic change, I think, on the overall standings. But I think it would have made me feel a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I also think it's worth, like, in this playthrough, I ended it and I ended up winning. But... Um, the, the discussion that one of the part of that is the discussion that we were having is that if John had ended it a little bit earlier, it looks like Anastasia probably would have won the game. And I think that that, you know, Anastasia, you called it a race earlier and that is true to some extent, but it's, you, you can just accumulate points and have like sit on that and wait for someone yeah. else to end the game. You don't need, you don't need someone else to, you don't need to end the game to be the winner. Yeah. Only right, one person right. is going to play all their cards. Right. Right. And actually we just had that happen we got another play of this in just a couple of days ago and it was the fastest game of this any of us have ever played, right? Like yeah. we played it in 30 minutes because Nick, I think in your starting hand, you were just like, I can play all of my cards and and have it be over. But you didn't win that one. And what you, you tied and then I won the tiebreaker. But still, like it just goes to show that you don't, the ability to end it isn't necessarily the thing that's going to get you the game. So, you know, I think that further kind of exemplifies the point, John, that, you know, ending it there would not have, 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 have given it for you, but it still was such a twist for, for Nick to do it after all that. Yeah. I mean, this game has a player driven end game condition. Uh, the first time we played a four player game, I think it took like two and a half hours, if not maybe close to three, it was a long game. And I know a lot of people online when the game first came out a year ago, would comment saying like, why is this game four hours long? But that's just if you allow it to go that long. And in our in our experience, we usually finish three-player games in 60 to 90 minutes now. And then, you know, every now and then we get outliers where like we play a 30-minute game or like this game that we showed for the uh, on the uh, the playthrough, that was one of the longer ones that the three of us have had yeah. in a long time. I mean, it edited down to about an hour and 40 minutes, but it was longer than that because we were, you know, I, I cut out a bunch of the dead space. So that was probably the longest play we've had in quite some time. Uh, but that was my choice. I could have ended that game like probably, you know, 40% earlier. And, you know, that's, you know, that's what I mean by a player controlled end game state. Like we really, you know, somebody's in the driver's seat and who that is does frequently change. I think another thing that was well um, showcased in this this play of ours was the sort of choke point and leapfrogging aspect of the game. You know, the the you you might not see this the first time that you're playing the game, or even the second or third time. But after a few plays, you're going to start noticing like where the sort of main flows of the industries are and like where those choke points are because there isn't really like a, a nicely laid out tech tree like you would expect to see maybe in like if it was a video game, which by the way, Anno is a video game. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but there, there isn't something that's laid out like that. And you kind of need to like identify yourself and the board is semi laid out in a flow that you can like follow where that tech tree goes, but not perfectly. So in this game, we had that sort of like leapfrogging thing where, you know, um, John basically said, I'm going to get the sewing machines. Now I've got the winter coats. And then when he had the winter coats, Anastasia said, okay, I'm going to build the the windows and I said, oh, wow, that completely changes what I can do. And yeah. I'm now going to focus on upgrading workers and then do different things with those workers where I had had different plans up until that moment. And I, I, I like that aspect of this game. And I like that we got to showcase that in this playthrough because it is something that is that is 
uh, one of the more powerful parts of the game that in terms of player interaction, like having to pay attention to what other people are doing and kind of like what stage the game is at. Like it won't tell you you're in stage two of the game now. There's no, you know, official thing like that. But like there's kind of like in the back of my mind, uh, hey, we're at the we're at the like sewing machine stage of the game. We're right. at the teal worker stage of the game. And, and what that means changes the tempo of what you're doing. There was actually right. another leapfrog event that um, was a little bit less, but I think also shows where the game can go and that i built brass at one point which is again one of those like you know the oh we're at the brass stage of the game and then i built that fully expecting to build i believe it was a pocket watch or it was a eyeglasses one of those two and then nick built the pocket watch or the eyeglass one of those one the, the ones that i wanted and i was really happy about it because i had two cards in my hand that needed that but i happily just traded for those instead of spending a whole turn to make that industry myself so i made brass and then he needed brass to make the uh, pocket watch and then i used his pocket watch factory which used my brass factory to play the cards that i wanted to so um th that was a nice little moment that also exemplifies even in a smaller way that um you can definitely you know alley-oop each other even though it's you know it's a, it's a competitive game, but there's lots of times where you do help each other out. You know, that brings up kind of two points that I, I sort of wanted to talk about. I mean, the first one is to go off of what Nick, what you just said, like, I actually thought we weren't going to even get to the reds in this game. I thought we weren't even going to get to the teal workers in this game. And, and frankly, if John had ended it when he was able to, we wouldn't have. And we have played games of that where we never built, I mean, a lot of games you don't build like the third level ships, you know, or a lot of games, you know, there's so many games that you don't see different things come out because of the nature of just how the, the play state of that particular game or what the end game cards are kind of encouraging or what the players are doing or what your cards are encouraging. And so I thought that was really interesting that like, I was like, oh, wow, we're going to play this game and, and we're not even going to, we're not even going to show Teal Worker. So that, it was cool to have that kind of all unfold but normally that would happen like a little bit earlier. We went a long time with just nobody paying attention to the reds. And, and that was encouraged by the kind of the state of the game. And I think that that makes a really fun experience if you, if you play this game a lot. The other thing is to just kind of piggyback on what you were saying, John, and what you both are saying, which is that this game is just, it's friendly. It's like friendly, peaceful interaction. Like you, you don't, there's no attacking there's no, like, you don't take something away. There, there is a little bit of a negative thing, which, which I know we want to talk about, which is, you know, covering up your industries, but we'll, we'll get to that. But just in its simplest state, you play industries and you want people to trade with you because when they trade with you, you get gold and gold helps you do more things, build more industries, reuse your workers, etc. So there is like, I love that. I love that it's like, oh, great. I can play my cards now and I don't have to waste turns building bread or building beer or building whatever. It, it, it just, it incur it's so rare to find a game with peaceful or friendly interaction, in my opinion. And so I, I really enjoy that. I'm going to hit you with a, a yes, but there. So the yes part for me is I agree that the the peaceful, positive interaction, the way that it is with the industries, the way that the trading tokens work. If you haven't played this game, it's a little bit like Seven Wonders, where it's kind of like you can trade and no, no one can say no, right? Like they get, they get some small benefit from it and you get a benefit from it and you pay them a little bit and you move on with your lives. Um, those parts of this game are 
the most fun parts about playing the game. There's there's a lot of player interaction, but it is all positive. It's I, I like a game where during the game Anastasia has to say thanks, Nick, instead of screw you, Nick, for <laughs> me. like yeah. that's a, that's a that's a good um, pressure that exists in the game. But here's my but: it depends on the players that you play with. So you two and and our group of friends are people that I I really enjoy playing this game with. But we played this game with another friend of ours who said, eh, this game's not really for me. And he went on to explain, look, when I play this game every single time, I am never going to give Nick money if it's an option between him and another player. Uh, just because I assume by default that he's winning because I don't understand the game. And so I'm just never going to trade with him. And so that in in our kind of like meta game, it's sort of like we you know, go off between this person and that person until it really feels like someone's winning. Right. And, and that, uh, I think makes it, makes it different. If you play with a little bit more of a like hostile game group, I think you can walk away from the table just feeling like, man, I hate that people can choose to not bring me into that positive interaction in this game. Yeah. I know also some people have had a problem with that because they can't help but analyze it. You know, some people just always want to do the right play. And if you have a situation where you need beer and two of your opponents have beer, that's a decision. Which of your opponents gets the free gold? And the like you said, the way our play group does it, we just kind of go by feel like, I haven't thrown Anastasia anything in a while. Beer, I'll go. Anastasia, you, you catch this. Um, but there are a lot of people who see that as a very important decision, which it technically is, where they need to now parse the game state and figure out which of these two players is actually ahead, because if they don't do that, then that's technically a mistake, and then they feel bad. Um, and I'm happy to not go into that analysis, but I know some people have a harder time disengaging from that. Um, and honestly, it is a little bit surprising from a design perspective that the game has that decision in there in the first place. I know one thing that we've talked about in the past is, you know, why... Why doesn't everyone get it? You know, like if two people have beer and I need to trade for beer, why doesn't everyone with beer get it? I guess thematically that doesn't make sense. You have to go trade to, with just one person. But with the overall sharing vibe of the game, um, that does seem like a little bit of an odd thing. I mean, if we're talking about like a supply chain globalization context, the idea of multiple people being paid actually totally makes sense. That's just the concept of supply <laughs> and demand on a global side. I'm serious. Like, like I don't think that, yeah. that trading specifically with one person is actually like a supply chain. This is a supply chain game, which I think yeah. is something that's really novel about it. And uh, that's that's something that doesn't exist in the real world. So you don't generally choose where you're trading, right? Like you you buy something because that's a, that's a product that exists there. Uh, and you know, when I when I think about Anno, you know, I said the positive, peaceful interaction is something I really like. And the other part I really like is the supply chain, the building up of that network. And then like, oh, when I when John builds the brass, so now I can build the pocket watch. And oh, now I have two workers, so I'm going to build the steam engine. And then you have the car now. That is so cool. Like it's a yeah. really satisfying feeling. And at the end of the game, when you've you know built out those pieces, you know, win or lose, you have built something every time and it, it builds up and it scales up. And I, I just think that's a that's a fun, good feeling. I like that. I mean you build a, a an economy every time you play the game. Yeah. Uh, I know we played this one a bunch around the same time we played Beyond the Sun a bunch. Like the, they came out in a similar time frame and we were similarly excited for both these games. And you know, one thing we love about Beyond the Sun, which we talked about in a previous episode of this podcast, is that you create a unique tech tree every time you play that game. And to a certain extent, there are some similarities here with Anno because you create a unique um, economy each time you play the game with different people sharing the burden. Uh, in some games, one person 
makes the brass and they also make the sewing machine and they also make the fur coats and they also make the glass and the windows and and this one person is just you know that they're just that, that part of the economy is bearing the brunt of it but there are other games where we just bounce back and forth like crazy and also i just love that at the end of every one of these games I have this mental map of who has what because, you know, I've asked who has uh, sausage enough times to know that Anastasia has the sausage factory. And I've asked who makes work shirts enough times to know that both Anastasia and Nick have the work shirt factories. And so at the end of the game, it's just I have this mental network that's going to dissipate in 10 minutes once I stop playing. But in that moment, this economy exists. It's real. And, and I know whose strengths are where and who's doing what. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. But it also does kind of bring up one of the more, speaking of sort of like the aggressive-ish parts of the game or where you can find sort of aggressive or more competitive parts in the game. And this is something that I know Nick has a lot of thoughts on. It brings up this idea, there is a rule that you can build over your industries. So yeah. this can be very helpful for you. There's actually an end game card that encourages you to use only one old world card. So you only have like a compact set of islands to build on in the first place but it can be used in a way to prevent your opponents from utilizing your resources and 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 it, it kind of screws them i mean you know yeah. if you've if you are you know you've waited and it's like i built windows and then you're like okay great i can use those windows i'm gonna go do something else and now i'm kind of depending on being able to trade for anastasia's windows or john's steam engine or whatever and then the next turn after I've used my windows, the next thing I do is build over them, which of course prevents me from using them anymore. And you think, Nick, you actually did this in that game. You built over your cannons, right? Yeah, and so right. We, we all got to use them, but... Briefly. Then briefly, and then you built over them. And you were able to prevent us from doing it, which forced us to then build it and pivot and blah, 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 which I actually, I've learned to adapt to, and I've, I actually quite like... Um, because I often lose this game to Nick. It helps me feel balanced <laughs> so that I feel like I have some control because as we kind of witnessed in that play, you know, as soon as John started to build things and I built things, Nick's game just took off and he was able to 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 kind of unleash. And I think it does help players who are sort of stuck. I think that what it does is it helps to balance out the game if you feel like people are really you went to all this work and people are now being able to really take advantage of your industries to pop off in their game but it can feel it can feel mean it can feel i don't even want to it's not like directed mean but it's just like that sucks like that sucks that that was there and now that's not there and 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 things can kind of fall apart but you know well it's kind of a yeah. whiplash moment right because the design of this game is so build up this industry competitively together and then suddenly somebody reminds you like oh no i could actually destroy this and everyone's like oh no but i was th that was a pillar of part of my strategy and you know it's a rule that exists and that's fine but but at the same time i think i agree with nick that i i wish it didn't exist because i would rather just continue to lean in to the uh you know what's built is built let's build bigger stuff as opposed to destroying stuff from behind yeah, it's personally my least favorite rule in the game um, for, for a couple of reasons. One is I get the math behind it, right? The idea is that like I've built this industry and if I quash this industry that I no longer need, instead of me getting a gold from you trading with me, you lose a turn because you need to build the industry. Like the consequence is very clear and it's also very obvious 
that you losing a goal or you losing a turn for me losing a goal is an extremely worthwhile trade. Like I'll right. definitely tank you on that every time if yeah. I can. I guess with with industries that are not obvious, like who wants what, you're also not even sure who you're really like <laughs> who you're disappointing by crushing over one of your industries that way. Right. It is it is not directed and I do like that. It's, yeah. it's sort of like it just takes it out of play. It's right. not attacking anyone. That part person. is fine. It's not personal. I'm I'm okay with that part. Uh but I I I like the economy feel of it and I I just I don't think that it makes a ton of sense that it'd be like right in 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 a quote-unquote real world context which is stupid to assign to a game but like why would someone like destroy this industry that other players now can't like buy if there was like still demand for that resource it just it doesn't like totally track for me thematically like in the real world as an attack track for me thematically in the context of the video game uh because one of the other things about quashing your industries is that in this game space placement spatial placement doesn't really matter and the amount of spaces that you need don't really matter because you can just build over your old industries that you don't need anymore and that's a that's a theme fail from the video game perspective because the Anno video game is about building cities and where they are matters connected to your ports and how the different like buildings are connected to each other. This game doesn't have any of that. And so, you know, again, the, the quashing industries part of the game doesn't match like what I intuitively feel that the game like should be like. And I recognize that that's just like my personal preference. Um, but it just it stands in the way on top of the mechanical grossness that I feel with it. But I do want to point out that in the video game, you can build over things. So I do feel like that it was trying to emulate that aspect of like, okay, I built this cottage, but then I built this nicer cottage or I built this, you know, pig farm and now I want to, you know, build over it to build. I don't remember what comes after pigs, <laughs> probably something from the board game. I haven't played a ton of the video game, but I've played enough of it you know, to see that aspect of it. So, I mean, so I can see why from that perspective of like, okay, hey, I want to build over this to improve it. And I only have so much space on my island. So I need to do that works. But I agree with you, Nick, that it kind of, it takes it away from the supply chain perspective. Although, and and this is maybe a good time to bring up, there's been a couple of I think you called them variants, John. That yeah, that there kind are some of have official variants um, from the lead developer of the game that are somewhat adjacent to maybe some of the changes coming in the expansion, but um, some official variants that have been released that you can play with right now. And I don't think we mentioned it in this game, but we actually played with one of them. Uh, one of the that one has to do with uh, purple cards, cards that let you get purple workers. Uh, an official variant is you don't start the game with any of those in your hand, and we did that. We actually discarded a couple purple cards from our hands before we started playing and i just decided not to you know explain that in the video because i didn't want to confuse people but there is um a couple other official variants again from the developer of the game one of them is uh giving two gold when you trade for purple resources so really expensive stuff and the other one is uh blocking tokens uh and this really leans into what we're talking about right now effectively this variant says that no one else can trade for your goods until it's you, your turn again. So if if I make a, um, a fur coat factory right now, no one can trade for my fur coat until I take another turn. And then once I've taken that next turn, then it's fair game. Um, interestingly enough, I suppose on the next turn, I guess I could destroy that fur coat factory before anyone <laughs> could have a chance to use it. But um, I would likely not be able to play the card that I needed to do the fur coat factory hate, first. hate. <laughs> no, I, I see. And that that is the thing that I think 
Now we we haven't actually had a chance. We 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 played with this variant once in that thirty minute game. Uh, you know, in a thirty minute game of this that we played, and it happened so quickly that I, I didn't, didn't really get impact. to yeah experience it much. But I am really curious to explore the the blocking token idea, if you will, which you know we essentially did by just not flipping over our industries until it came back around to us. Because when you watch this play that we just you know that we played, um, when you watch the playthrough, you'll see that like. Nick builds cannons. And by the time we get back to Nick, everyone else has already used, or at least John had already used the cannons. Yeah. I'm not sure if I did on that next turn or I didn't do it later, but you know, he builds this thing and then we've all used it. And the same thing happened, you know, John built something and then Nick was able to use it. And I do think maybe, maybe it will balance out some of the desire to build over perhaps with less aggressive players, but perhaps it will, it will it will stymie some of the desire to build over your industries because you know that you can like personally use it first. And I do think that fits the theme of, you know, I built this industry and before I open myself up to trade, I'm going to use it to, you know, supply my people first with, you know, fur coats or whatever. And then, and then I'll, you know, sell them abroad to the rest of you. So. Wouldn't that increase the motivation to, to destroy your industries, though? If you, like, build them and you get to cash in on them yourself and then you just get to jettison them before anyone else gets to cash in? I mean, you don't get to jettison them. You, you have to go, you have to play at least two turns, right? So you get to use them and then we would all get a chance to use them. I feel like I wouldn't feel so bad about keeping it around because I would get to use it more than you guys. Sometimes what the only reason I like to build over things oftentimes is because I feel like you all are using it so much more than I am that like it doesn't it doesn't feel good. But I don't know, maybe not. Probably not if I'm being honest, you know, if I'm really thinking about it, I probably still build over it because it w- it would be the more <laughs> tactical play, right? It would be. Right. I mean, it would be. All right. I'm a hypocrite. Yeah. <laughs> What's next? Uh, I mean, it's the thing. It's the thing that I worry about with it. But I do want to talk about the uh, the variant we played in this game with the the purple workers, um, because it it talks about something else in this game, which I think uh, I viewed as very distasteful on our first play. And actually, we haven't talked about this yet, but we at the end of our first play. Uh, weren't sure that we wanted to play this game again really like yeah i don't think that we felt very good about it and then it really really grew on us so that is something worth worth um noting and we can talk about that a little bit more if we want to but the um part of it is that the, the game is not fair it's not well balanced in some respects uh and i like what martin wallace i like a bunch of his games but he has his reputation of like kind of uh, you know putting out sometimes these like not fully play tested designs and to me anno feels not fully play tested or it feels not fully fair and i think some people are okay with that i'm not so okay with that and so what i mean by that is is for instance your starting hand is different for every player right and so those purple workers are so crucial to the game that if you don't start with one in your starting hand and someone else does you are a step behind and that really sucks. Yeah. Um, when you have people that give you in this, in this game that we played, uh, I, I flipped an Island that was, um, I think two blue workers. And if I flipped the one that was two green workers, which I think Anastasia got in this game, then it's just worse, right? Like her, her same amount of effort resulted in a worse benefit for no reason whatsoever. Right. And that doesn't feel great. Yeah. I mean, also um, some of the purple, the cards that give you purples require cotton, and cotton requires you to go to the new world and requires somebody to make a cotton factory. But then other purple cards don't. 
and it's just a lot easier to make them. So even with the randomness of getting these cards to give you purples, some of them are just significantly easier to make, and they are all worth three points each. You know, there's no victory point difference between them. So yeah, I, I totally agree. It, it was kind of a weird thing for me to reconcile with this game, actually, because I think uh, I named it my favorite game of 2020, while at the same time feeling like it was flawed in a lot of ways. Um that's that that's that frustrated me uh one of them goes back to the the covering up of buildings that we talked about before the fact that in this game you can expand your area out and you can expand up to four times and i've never seen anyone expand more than twice and honestly in most games people expand once and the fact that there is a special card that you can draw at the start of the game to give 18 bonus points to anyone who happens to only expand once as if that is a hindrance or a hobbling of you really feels strange like okay the design seems to be saying that only expanding once is a bad thing but we frequently do that because we just cover up our older stuff if we could not destroy our old industries then we'd be more motivated to have to expand and go through the effort and all that kind of stuff but also on top of that if you haven't seen this game before when you set it up there's this big board and on top of it you put hundreds of tokens well maybe not multiple hundreds but just a ton of these tokens down into predefined little spots that define the overall industry and it really frustrates me that many of these are used every game and a significant number are essentially never used i played this game 12 times and i have never seen anyone place the wood production down on their board never once uh, i played <laughs> this game 12 times and i don't believe i've ever seen anyone build a level three shipyard i know nick has done this once or twice i don't think those were in games that it played with me so i i don't i've never personally certainly never personally made a level three ship i've never even had the ability to make a level three ship because those level three shipyards are so hard to get down and that again feels like a weird thing from a playtesting perspective like I want to get to the end of the tech tracks, but the game so frequently ends before you get to those to really have them make sense. And that frustrates me. Like, I'd be okay with sometimes you didn't all make level three ships, but at this point, it seems like a mythical experience to actually <laughs> make a level three ship and then, and then certainly to have it be worth it versus just doing it to say that I did at one point. Have you really never built a level three ship? Yeah. <laughs> John said all that stuff and the Anastasia just like, <laughs> just like never built a level three ship. So it sounds like you yeah, have. Yeah, we'll go back. We'll go back to the very insightful <laughs> points that you just made. Don't worry. Don't worry. But I'm just sitting here being like, cause you talked about being mythical and I'm thinking, okay, and all the plays of this, I've definitely done it. I've done it a, okay. a, a, a few times. It, it, it happens more when the end game cards need artillery. So the building a level three explorer ship requires artillery. And to do that, you need, you know, if you have an end game card or otherwise that needs artillery, like you, you are more likely to do it. Or I think there was one game I played. I think I played this with Nick. I barely remember it, but like I had no other options. I was like, I'm just going to go. I needed explore tokens so bad. I just like went, I like pivoted and went down this path. So I have seen it happen, but I do know that it, it is rare. And I think that that's part of the game is that you really would need to like specialize in it. And, and I, I personally, I feel like that's sort of on theme because it's like, okay, if you really want to do this, then you're going to have to go hard on that. And it leaves parts of the boards kind of unexplored. And so even after what, I don't know, 25 plays or whatever I played of this, you're right. There's still parts of it I haven't seen. And I know you guys, I'm going to sound so like, like super positive on this game and everything I say from like here on forward. And I, I don't mean to, I just, I, I do really like it. I like it for its flaws because for me, 
I see that as avenues that I've yet to touch, right? I don't see that as a lack of balance. I don't see that as, I like that there's still parts of this game that like, I've never seen a use for, but like, maybe I will like, and so I, I kind of find that fun personally. I don't see that as a detriment. Yeah. I mean, in general, I love this game despite its flaws, right? It's kind of, kind of the same as what you said, but, but a twist there. Um, it's hard for me to see past those blemishes, but because of the stuff that I do really like about this game, the positive interaction, the, the chain, um, also just the way with our group, like this game, when you first play, you're like, Oh man, this is like a two and a half hour game. Uh, and really the, it like whips, right? Like even in this like playthrough that we just did, that was, I think almost two hours long, uh, it just whips from turn to turn and like turns are so like short and sweet that it's, it's snappy. I like that. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, the stuff about it that doesn't feel balanced, the like the components about the game where it's like, man, I really wish that this specific mechanic was different. Um, John was, was actually talking to me about this earlier. This is a game that I, I'm not generally a fan of house rules, but this is a game that I would play with house rules because it's like, I love the engine and the system of the world that has been built here. Uh, but some of the like little details don't work for me so well. Yeah. Well, and I actually kind of want to go back to that first play that you were talking about. I mean, actually, to be fair, I think we played like half a game to kind of learn it. And then <laughs> and then we gave up on that. And then we played a full game. And then... Actually, what happened is I started reading the rules and I got really excited. And I was like, <laughs> hey, Nick. Hey, Anastasia. I really want to experience this game. But we this is the 13, 14 months ago. Uh, and I reached out to you two. And you guys were both like... Sure, I'd be willing to try it, but I only have two hours. And I was like, yeah. I, don't, I don't care. Let's play for two hours and we'll stop. I just I just read the rules to this and I have got to try it. So yeah, I taught it to you, which took me like 45, 50 minutes. And then we played for like an hour and 10. And then we had to stop because we had a predefined thing. And we all left that being like, what a weird game. <laughs> Let's definitely we can circle back. We never finished that game. I think it's still saved in my tabletop simulator file Yeah, somewhere. we could go back and play it one day. <laughs> like, what was happening here? <laughs> Which hand was mine? Yeah. Um, but then we did We did play a full game of it. I think did we played four players the first we time. We did. I can't. I can't I, yeah. And it was fun, but it was long. And, and then I think we spent an entire, I swear we spent another two hours talking about this game after we finished it. It was one of the longest discussions that we've ever had. I remember pacing my kitchen and just talking about this game. And you know, to speak to what Nick was saying about, you know, sort of the house rules, we came up with so many design changes for this game after that first play. Like there was like, we were like, everybody should get paid a gold. The gold should increase for each level, et cetera, et cetera. We were just talking about all these ways that the game could, could change or, or be improved or tweaked or whatever. And I was really on board with that. I'm actually not opposed to house rules in general. And so I was like, okay, yeah, like we'll see. And I, like I said, like Nick said, I was like, Eh, like I'll play this one again, but like, I don't know, <laughs> like we'll see. And I wanted to play with less because it had been kind of long at four. So, and then we started playing it. We started playing it more. And I just realized that I had to look at this game like it was a luck fest. You know, it's the same way that I look at Grand Austria Hotel. It's a giant luck fest. And, and, and you cannot go into that game or even this game with a strategy. And I am a very strategic player. I don't really like tactical games. Nick tells me how I don't like chaos and I really don't <laughs> unless I know that the game is going to be chaos, like going in and like controlled chaos, right? Like, so 
when I realized there's actually a, a great post on BGG, one of the playtesters, I think his name is uh, Steven. I posted this thing on Board Game Geek that he just said, like, this game is, it's, it's, it's as much about strategy as it is about, like, timing and execution and hand management and points. And it's like, you can't get too attached to anything. You can't get attached to the cards in your hand. You can't get attached to the industries you buy. You can't get attached to, to anything. You just have to kind of like manage the game state. So you can't go in and be like, this game, I'm going to build a level three ship. You will build a level three ship if the game allows you to build right. a level three <laughs> ship. Like, right? Like you can't go in with a strategy. And when I realized that, that it was just going to be... I'm calling it a luck fest, even though there isn't luck, but it's just for me, that's how I view the game. I just went in and was like, okay, I'm going to do the best I can with what I'm given. And I'm just going to adapt the whole way through. And I'm going to balance the imbalance, right? Because that's where I see the luck, you know, the imbalance of the old worlds, the fact that you can draw new world tiles and never get what you want and have to take three cards every time you do it. I know. I hate that. That is one. That is a change I would do. I'd let you trade for new world goods or pick from the options, you know, send your boats in a direction. But irrespective of that, I just realized that as soon as I did that, that's when the game started to sing for me. As soon as I said, this is not a strategic game. This is, this is a tactical game. This is a game of reactions. And I'm just going to adapt to what I'm given. I stopped feeling like it's imbalanced. I stopped feeling like, oh, I want to tweak this. I stopped feeling like I need to change things. I was just like, I'm just going to, you know, get my hate cards and just try to play them the best I can. And, and and that's really where I fell in love. Yeah. I mean, this was my number one game from last year. Even though I might sit here and say that I feel like some of it's flawed, I feel like some of it could be tweaked in very significant ways, I still love playing this game. And, and like Every single time I love the puzzle of looking at my hand and being like, how am I going to get through this? Oh, okay, that's, a, that's an interesting avenue. Or situations I know that Nick had where he looked at his hand and he said, I'm never going to be able to play all these cards oh, what's John doing over there? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that puzzle's fun. It, it is, it is, right? I, I, I agree so much with that. Both of the things that you just said, that, that it is flawed, but so fun that it like doesn't, it almost doesn't matter. And the like going with the flow of the game is the way really to to enjoy it the most and to have the best experience out of it, right? If you If you go and say, I'm really going to do this, or, you know, you look at your opening hand and say, this is definitely what I'm going to be doing here. Then you are not allowing yourself the elasticity to, to change your game plans based on what other people have built in the game, based on what you're drawing in the middle of the game, because you will definitely draw more cards uh, <laughs> and, and uh, have to figure out what to do with that. Uh, so it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I know that with the, the expansion coming out and some of those variants uh, or house rules that I've heard other people suggest in the game, it's it's kind of a weird tension because you know you you change one thing and I, I worry about how it's gonna like rubber band into something else like does it actually fix it uh, right. or does it just make a different problem that exists so if you can kind of choose to to love it for what it is that's that's maybe the best and and a great example of that is just the the house people who really hate the fact that the old world cards are imbalanced right one rule that Martin Wallace could have put in is draw two keep the best one. But that just creates a different bevy of problems. And, and he just said, you know what? You're just going to draw one off the top. Deal with it. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was probably an intentional choice, honestly. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, we, we go back to the video game and it is, it's about building an industry. It's about creating a world, right? And you don't, things don't always work out for you. You don't always 
trade with who you want to trade with. You don't always get what you want and you have to adapt to that. And I, you know, I do think that's cool. I actually have a question for you guys. Um, you know, when we did first play this, I, I remember thinking at the time that the game was kind of almost like out of time. Like it, it felt so familiar to me, but it felt like, like nostalgic, like as if it was a game that came out 10 years ago. And then here it was, you know, on our table being released in 2021, because it's not all that shiny on the surface, right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't present to you, you know, John, you've talked about this a lot. Like it's not, it's simple. It's not overly complicated. You've talked about the way in a lot of modern board gaming now, it's just like complexity on top of complexity and this on top of this and this on top of this. And like, this feels like a design, you know, five, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, you know, years ago where you were just, the mechanics feel very simple, very clean on the majority of your turns. You do one of two things, you know, you can do other things, but you you build an industry or you play a card, but so many of games these days come with so much AP, so much decision fatigue, so much trying to figure out what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. And I just, I do feel like this is a, it's simple. It's, 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 but, but it, but it feels it does feel nostalgic for me, but familiar. And I'm curious if you guys felt the same way. Yeah. I mean, to me, the design for this one almost feels um, emergent, like like it was discovered as, instead of created, if that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> you know, like at its simple core, this idea of using these cube workers to go onto industries, to get resources, to then get more industries, to get more resources, it just, it all just flows. It makes sense. Almost like, like this was a found thing instead of like this brand new shiny thing or like it's, you know, three modern mechanics smashed together into some chimera that many uh, modern Euro games tend to do. This doesn't have that feel. But also, I don't know, while it does feel like a classic vibe, it also doesn't feel like anything I've played before. Like it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to be like, oh, Anno 1800. It's like, what else is it like? I'm not even sure, <laughs> but it feels like it should be like a other game things. with like what? 40 resources i remember how you're like you're like guys this game there's just 40 resources i was like oh my god 40 resources but it, it's, it's not. yeah it doesn't really can you make a comparison i can't think of another game that i would point to to say if you like this then you'll like anno i have a, I have a hard time i actually it's one of the things that i like about anno and why i keep coming back to it um is because because it does kind of stand on its own i think in that uniqueness uh, and so, you know, for that reason alone, uh, I guess it kind of feels a little bit on the the newer side to me than the older side. But I do see what you're saying with the some of the right the the like some of those like common modern design things. You know, choose two, pick one that Martin Walls just does away with. Um, I I see what you're saying with the like it feels a little bit like a like an older design in that way. There's something that you said in there, Anastasia, that I think is really interesting because earlier, and I, I didn't actually say these words, but I was thinking to myself that like playing Anna was a little bit like playing Euro popcorn. Um, it's, re- it's really like <laughs> fun to just like play and like to make the decisions. And like you describe the game as simple. And I agree when I play now, it's like, I take this, I'll build this industry, buy this thing from you, let's keep going. But the very first couple of times we played, it's like you look at this board of this technology tree and it is overwhelming right there's just like how does this connect to this and like i have a card that wants me to 
have cars. Okay, so now I look at cars, but for me to build cars, I need to build steam engines. For me to build steam engines, I need blue workers. Where can I get blue workers from again? Oh no, those aren't blue. Those are teal workers. Oh, where do I get teal workers from again? Oh, you get those from the winter coat. Where does the winter coat come from? You know, like the first time you're playing this game, you're like, I am never going to accomplish this card here. <laughs> it's, and that it was just one happen. of the three things that it needs. They also yeah. need <laughs> rum and they need to listen to a gramophone. And you're just like, yeah, this is impossible. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's very true. It is it is and 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 that's uh, it's a little unfortunate because it, it can be a little bit intimidating I think for new players and especially if you have played it a lot, you're going to have a little bit of a leg up, right? Because you're going to know how all of the industries work and you maybe teach it to someone new and they're not going to know that and that it probably lead for a little bit of a frustrating uh play experience for them. Um but I also think that as soon as you know that, kind of to what you're saying, John, the you at the end of every game have like a sort of a mental map, right? Like I can remember from that play that I did not build cotton and you guys did. And I had to trade for it the whole time. <laughs> yeah. You have sort of a mental map of what people... It's surprisingly easy. It does take a couple plays or even just like a little bit of studying the board. And, and if maybe if... I didn't play the video game until after I'd played the board game. So I think see now having played some of the video game just a little bit but enough to like see the the world i can see that if you have played that you will be more familiar with the goods and more familiar with the tech tree if you will of how they kind of evolve and i think if you do study the board a little bit it is very easy to internalize but that is the biggest hurdle with this game there are i don't know i keep saying 40 but i there are there are a lot of tiles there's a lot of tiles but once my personal favorite thing about anno is that once you have internalized that, it makes for such an easy game to pull off the shelf. Like it is so easy to, to it takes a little bit of setup, <laughs> but it is so easy to, to get down. It's, it's just one of those games. It's like, I want to play something tonight that scratches the Euro itch, but isn't going to like break my brain or exhaust my brain. Like, or like just spin me off into like, just a ton of work or AP. Like I just want to play something simple and fun and just sit down and kind of like run it and we do you know we can play it pretty fast and i i like that i like having a game on my shelf that does that and and this one does that for me you're a popcorn absolutely (laughs) (laughs) how much butter do you want (laughs) butter not being an industry you can build an anno that's true that is surprising that is surprising yeah well, I think that just about wraps up the many, many thoughts that we have on this one. Um, we all love this game. We would not have played it 12, 19, 24, whatever times if we hadn't. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> as we've said, we've talked about this one to death. And to a certain extent, our discussions on Anno a year ago was a uh, precursor to this podcast even being a thing. Like us really enjoying those conversations is a big part of why this ended up happening for so many other games and i've never seen a game generate so much wall of text the discord as it's anno true. did it's true first, it's true like, couple of plays yeah but also at the same time this is uh this has been a fun podcast to record because it's felt like homecoming to a certain extent because this was essentially the first game that really caused us to go down some crazy alleys of discussion and and i hope that we've been relatively coherent uh talking about it today this has almost been like a greatest hits of the conversations that we've been having for a year now uh and it's kind of amazing that this is a game that we keep enjoying talking about <laughs> a year later uh but yeah that's uh that's gonna bring this one to a close uh if you um 
have any thoughts about any of the stuff that we've talked about, then please comment. Uh, you can find a YouTube version of this if you're listening to it as a podcast form. Then go to the YouTube link in the description of this podcast and leave comments. We'd love to see that kind of stuff. And uh, overall, we're just really happy you decided to hang out with us and listen. And uh, we hope you join us next time.